Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. A little later in the show, we are going to talk about a consortium of journalism outlets that have gone and dug through the backgrounds of all of the candidates who want to sit on the Detroit school board. And they have found a lot of interesting things about their financial backgrounds, about uh, their their criminal backgrounds to the extent that that was part of uh, what they found. And we're going to talk about what they saw in the, this investigation and what we think it means going forward to the November 8th uh, elections when we choose seven members to be part of the new Detroit School Board. So you're going to want to pay attention to that if you are a Detroit voter for sure, uh, but also if you're not, uh, the, the the fortunes of the Detroit schools are a huge regional and state issue. Uh, you're going to want to participate in that conversation and, of course, listen in. But first, downtown Lansing is largely abandoned this time of year because state lawmakers and party loyalists are all in campaign mode up in front of November 8th election. But there's still a lot happening in state politics. A court has denied a request to investigate Governor Rick Snyder in relation to the Flint water crisis. The Michigan Republican Party has decided against holding its usual election night party. Is that a forecast of doom that they see coming on the horizon? And the question of whether Michigan voters can take so-called ballot selfies on November 8th is working its way through the courts here to help me sort through all of the news is Rick Pluta, the State Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. Rick, welcome to Detroit Today. Downtown Lansing, so it's not entirely abandoned. It's not entirely abandoned. Not entirely abandoned. <laughs> okay. It's, uh, it's not this vast, empty, dystopic landscape where you know, tumbleweed are That's are, what are I was picturing, streets, right? <laughs> um, so we should start with a confession of mine. I have been taking ballot selfies for years and posting them on social media to show either what I did or what I didn't do at the ballot box. Am I going to have words. a visitation from the state police sometime soon to, to ask Two me some words. questions about that? Citizens arrest. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 and um, I will also up, up admit until, yeah. that I knew, I knew this was illegal. It's not like I did it and, and complete ignorance. I knew it was against the law, and I said, you know what? This is a silly law. It's my Rebel ballot. It's law. my business. And if I want to put it on Facebook, I'm going to do it. Well, so. it actually, the this 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 ballot selfies ban does have its root in a uh, serious problem. Um, going back to like the, the, the late 1800s, it was uh, not unheard of for uh, powerful interests, uh, often uh, employers, to uh, instruct people that they had some authority over, that they had to vote a particular way, and they had to prove it. And the way that you would prove it is you would go to the polling place, you would fill out your ballot, and then you would show it to someone on your way to putting your paper ballot in the uh, ballot box. Right. And so to deal, and, and you know, in some cases it, it, it was threats, and in some cases maybe it was, it was bribery. So to deal with that, the legislature adopted uh, a law that um, um, banned what's called uh, ballot exposure, which, which sounds a little racy, I know. But, um, <laughs> that sounds like something else. But what they were saying is that your ballot in the polling place 
has to remain a secret. You can't show it to anyone else right. so that we, you know, so so that they can't execute either their threats or their rewards for uh, voting a particular way. So as, 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 you know, time went on and now we're in the age of smart cameras where people can bring their, their, their pictures, uh, you know, can, can take pictures. And yeah, we've had these ballot selfies where people hold up their ballots and say, look who I, uh, you know, look who I voted for, which by the way, does at, 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 at least, you know, kick the door open slightly to that same abuse that now instead of uh, having to, you know, you know, walk across the polling place and, and, and show off your ballot. Now someone can say, well, just post it on, on, on Facebook. So we, you know, so we know <laughs> what, what the, what, what the court said, a federal judge in, in Grand Rapids, Janet, uh, Janet Neff said, yeah, but you know what? The cure is actually worse than the problem that there are other ways to deal with this. And it's just kind of an anachronism that so many people are doing it now. Now you're a scofflaw. You said that you were aware of it, but a lot of people weren't and aren't. As a matter of fact, the person who, who filed this lawsuit didn't know until after uh, he had filled out his ballot. And um, in this case, he was, uh, this was four years ago. And as part of a, uh, um, an organized prank, he uh, wrote in the name of a college buddy for MSU <laughs> trustee and posted it on the uh, internet. But people do it, and, and it is a form of campaigning that, yeah. that, that people, you know, when, when Barack Obama was running, people were filling out their ballot taking a picture, posting it on the internet and say, you know, look, look what I did. And what uh, Judge Neff said was, this is, I mean, this is political speech, which is the most protected speech under our legal system in its purest form. And the state just can't enforce this rule on ballot selfies without running afoul of the First Amendment. Right, right. And it's one of those things that, uh, that it's only raised by the advance of technology. In other words, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Facebook and cell phones and the sort of ubiquitous nature of social media are what make this possible. I mean, uh, five or ten years ago, um, it would have been more difficult for me to show off how I voted at, yeah. the, at the polls. Now, of course, it's very this, easy. This wrinkle in the common. ballot exposure law and how the state enforces it was was just a non-issue um, um, as recently as a decade ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And the speech issue, I mean, one of the things that's also interesting about the way that they decide speech issues in the courts is that, you know, it's a weighing process. They, they weigh heavily the right of the people to express themselves in, in many, many different ways, even inappropriate ways. Uh, and, and that always gets a little more deference than restrictive uh, practices that, that, that right. try to rein that speech in. And here, I, I, I suspect that the specter of voter intimidation, uh, voter manipulation, uh, through through photo is is sufficiently uh, inconsequential to to over overween the the free speech interests here. Well, what 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 the plaintiffs in the case argued is that there are other solutions to that, and state elections officials are concerned that you know once you start allowing it, um, that then you know what's to stop people from taking pictures of other people's ballots or people who are standing around in the polling place taking pictures of people doing something in elections and that it just, you know, has uh, the prospects for um, um, upsetting elections or, you know, the process of voting in ways that they haven't entirely anticipated. Um, although certainly 
state elections officials are aware that this is going on. And, um, you know, Ruth Johnson sent out a directive saying that, you know, look, we're not going to enforce the rules on ballot selfie bans, which is that you could be charged with a misdemeanor, but also um, if for taking a picture in the polling place, uh, the other penalty is your ballot is taken away and you don't get another one. Right. So you if you take a ballot right selfie, yeah. you are actually jeopardizing your right to vote in that election. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk uh, about the state GOP and their apparently dour prognosis for what they might want to be doing on election night. The annual or normal election night party yeah. for the party has been, been canceled this year. Mm-hmm. Now, as an outsider, you look at that and I think you say, well, that must be because they think it's going to be a bad night. Uh, but but maybe there's something else afoot here. So I want to give you a chance to to talk about what they're thinking here. And uh, well, and I, I think there are two things, and and that that I mean, everyone is expecting that Republicans are going to have some level of a bad night just based on the polling that we're seeing in the uh, presidential race, which shows Hillary Clinton ahead in Michigan in some case in in some instances in some polls by by double digits. And the question is, how is that going to affect the rest of the ballot? How much and how far down? But, um, you know, it's I, I think there are a few things. One of them is that, look, as soon as this election is over, Republicans do not want to spend an evening with TV cameras and journalists with, with, with microphones and notepads talking about the controversies that have bedeviled them throughout this election season, yeah. that they would like to do a reset and focus on the future as much as possible. And remember this, too, um, that, that all kinds of party members, whether you're talking about the Democrats or the Republicans or the Libertarians, for that matter— all different factions show up and that could be a pretty that could be a pretty uncomfortable group of people all hanging out together pointing fingers at each other for uh, what went wrong when you look at uh, when and where things uh, you know went wrong on election night the people sure. who are very pro Trump pro Trump saying the establishment did not sufficiently support them the uh, um, establishment people the state party people saying look the Trump campaign never really set up a, a real campaign organization with a get out the vote effort and the stuff that you have to do in order to uh, win on election night. You know, this is all, you know, I'm, I'm prognosticating and, and, and looking forward, but, uh, you know, those are based on the facts as we know them right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk about how bad you expect election night, November 8th to be for Republicans in the state of Michigan. I think there's not much question about the presidential race. The, the polls have consistently shown that, that uh, Hillary Clinton is pretty far ahead for some time. Down ballot, though, there are some there are some races that that people believe are tightening and some issues Mm -hmm. that hang in the balance. Uh, For instance, the control of of the state house uh, Mm -hmm. is one of the things that 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 people are talking about. How how much of that do you expect is is actually likely to happen Uh, and and how much of it is just uh, taught the, the kind of talk that gets ginned up when the top of the ticket is seems so lopsided? Well, well, I mean, this is this is the period when, you know, people go a little crazy. And in this environment, at least when you look at the race statewide, I've characterized it this way, that Republicans are pessimistic and Democrats are paranoid that they're you know, that that, that everyone's looking at how bad things could go for their side of the ballot. Uh-huh. And uh 
there, I, I think there are two big questions in the macro, and then we can turn to the micro. And the macro is, can Hillary Clinton inspire Democrats to get out and vote for her, as she's talked about wanting to do in the last couple of weeks of the election cycle? And then also, um, um, what effect will this have on the Republican electorate, except especially those college-educated uh, Republicans who tend to track a little bit more moderate than the party as a whole? Are they going to get out and vote for Trump? Are they going to get out and not vote for Trump, but still vote for Republicans on the rest of the ballot, maybe split their tickets? Or are we going to see a critical mass of, of, of that demographic, that that that? part of the electorate say, you know what, I'm not willing to get up off my couch to get out and vote for this guy, and the rest of the ticket suffers as a result. Yeah. So that's what we're looking for. And, and that's really, it's, it's an aspect of voter behavior, of human behavior, that's impossible to predict. So like I said, that's, that's the macro. The micro is, yeah, Donald Trump isn't doing well statewide, but there are certainly portions of the state where Donald Trump is doing well. And where are the swing seats located? Are they located in an area where Trump is doing well and we can expect some, enthusiast, um, some enthusiasm for Republicans to get out and vote for the rest of the ticket? Or will they maybe feel like the establishment has been so hostile to Trump that they'll go out and just vote for Trump and ignore uh, uh, the rest of the ticket, sort of the inverse of what we were uh, talking about? But, uh, you know, that we've got uh, uh, open state house seats where yeah. Republicans will do well just because they're in a good place. Um, Oakland County, Macomb County, we seem to be seeing a lot of uh, races tightening up. And uh, we're seeing, you know, both the parties uh, throwing a lot at those in uh, the final days. We've got, you know, probably 16, 17 seats in play. Democrats, more of uh, the open seats are Republican than Democrats. All of that bodes well for Democrats. Um, they need to pick up nine seats to win majority. Doable, but still a heavy lift. Yeah. Yeah. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Rick Pluta. He's the Capitol Bureau Chief up there all alone in Lansing these days uh, for the Michigan Public Radio Network. We're talking about the week in politics, uh, the things that are going on in Lansing, despite the fact that the legislature is not there. People are out on the campaign trail trying to keep their jobs or help, uh, help, help other people keep their jobs. Uh, before I let you go, Rick, I want to talk about this uh, court denying a request to investigate Governor Rick Snyder over the Flint right. water crisis. Of course, Flint continues to be uh, a, a narrative in the in the capital that that is now snaring uh, people in in uh, in in terms of their responsibility, their guilt, uh, or at least accusations of of guilt. Lots of people have a question about how high this will reach. Will this get into the governor's office? Will this see the governor himself accused of? Some sort of some sort of crime. Um, this this court ruling suggests, at least for now, no. But we should also be clear that there's an investigation going on separately that well, could could end up in lots of different places that uh, that we haven't seen yet. 
and I think this is important. It's it's a separate issue, although it's related to the criminal investigation only right. in the sense that what was being challenged and the 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 complainant was um, a woman, a, um, a mom who lives in Flint, and the attorney was Mark Brewer, the uh, former chair of the Michigan Democratic Party. Uh-huh. And what they said was that the legal team, the pricey, you know, multi-million dollar legal team hired by Governor Snyder to protect his interests as this uh, criminal investigation is ongoing. And there's a a Genesee County investigation, there's a state investigation, and there's a uh, um, federal investigation. And so the governor hired a legal team, and uh, Attorney General Bill Schutte said, yeah, but you know what? We'll protect you against, uh, we'll, we'll defend you in civil proceedings regarding the Flint water crisis and other things having to do with your official responsibility. But, uh, you know, we don't play that when it comes to criminal investigations. You're on your own on that. Right. And um, so the uh, governor basically got the um, legislature and the state administrative board to agree that his office would have unilateral authority to make um, spending decisions up to a certain level that allowed him to hire uh, this this legal team to protect his interests and answer um, inquiries related to the uh, criminal investigation. What Mark Brewer was saying in the complaint was that, yeah, but you know what, this violates the state constitution that says that the governor can't approve a contract in which he has a personal interest, and it also uh, violates state procurement procedures. What the Ingham County Circuit Court did was it uh, refused his request to convene a one-person grand jury to look into whether the governor violated the law, violated the uh, state constitution. Now, Mark Brewer says that they're uh, looking at uh, other avenues, but won't say what they are. Well, and and that's a pretty that's a pretty complicated explanation and and very very uh, rigorous on your part uh, to for, to be able to to put it in in terms I'm smart. That, that it's not people... like everyone says I'm smart. <laughs> that's right. Uh, to put it in terms that people can understand, but I think it's a really good example of how complicated this whole mess is is and is going to continue to be the the, the various Indeed. wrinkles uh, and and sort of subtexts of what went on and what the consequences which will be are going to be really convoluted and really complicated for a long time and of course with each complication the 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 price tag for these things goes higher and higher and higher and, and the stakes are higher uh, all the way around that, uh, you know, people are, are wondering what, uh, you know, that, that Bill Schutte is spending millions of dollars on this investigation as well. And uh, people are wondering, well, what's, you know, what's the final result of that going to be? Yeah. Are we going to see high level players, as you referred to, um, held accountable for this? You know, should they be? Is this a wise use of taxpayer dollars that he's going to have to answer those questions as well, too? Yeah. Okay, before I let you go, Rick, it is shameless self-promotion time. (laughs) Next week, November 2nd, next Wednesday, from 6 to 8 p.m., you and I are going to be at the world-famous Anchor Bar here in downtown Mm -hmm. Detroit for uh, Beer and Politics, our Smart Politics um, series. We'll conclude its pre-election run-up with with us in downtown Detroit. Uh, What are we Mm going to talk about, Rick? I don't actually even know. 
I, I think a lot of the things that we're uh, talking about here, well, first of all, you know, you're the boss man, so <laughs> you tell me. I get to decide but, what we're talking about. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that look, it's going to be one week uh, till uh, the elections that uh, we'll see how things play out between uh, now and then, how things are looking, and not just uh, maybe what uh, uh, we're going to see on Election Day, but what that bodes for uh, what happens thereafter in the lame duck session of the legislature and uh, the new session in the final two years of Rick Snyder's administration, yeah. what this means means for our uh, congressional delegation and our relationships with Washington. I, I, I am increasingly interested in discussion of lame duck, which, of mm-hmm. course, in 2012, we saw uh, an incredible flurry of activity in Lansing. Most Much of it, I thought, ill-considered. Uh, to, lame to, duck to sessions get, can be uh, very consequential, as yeah, we've seen. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and, of course, with the, the, the balance of power in Lansing in question during the election, that, of course— plays into what role the, the the lame duck session might play this year. So, so If Democrats succeed in flipping those nine seats and yeah. take control, then the Republican to-do list gets a lot longer and a lot more urgent. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you want to talk with me and with Rick Pluta about the election and, of course, the post-election, uh, what will happen with our various levels of government here in the state of Michigan after November 8th. Come out to the Anchor Bar in downtown Detroit next Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. We will be there. We'll have a couple beers. We'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. Politics, and true fact, Stephen Henderson is even more handsome in person than he is on the <laughs> Than I sound on the radio, maybe. Especially after know. a couple beers. <laughs> That's right. All right, Rick Bluda, Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. Thanks, as always, for being here. Always a pleasure. All right. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about a new database that helps voters decide how to choose from more than 60 candidates for the Detroit Board of Education. Stay with us on Detroit Today.